I, uh, I'm in a series right now, which is called Relational Rationale. And we are taking a little journey through Matthew chapter number 18. It's a teaching of Jesus on relationships. And last week, we started this mini-series. Next week, I'm going to be wrapping it up. But, but last week, we learned this basic principle that if I get offended, basically, I should kind of get over it. I have to move past it and not stay there in the offense. But if I've been sinned against, then there's actually a process that I need to go through that's redemptive to help the other person and to help myself. So we talked about that last week. And I'd like for you to open your Bibles, if you have them, to Matthew chapter number 18, verse 21. Or you can go to the link that's in your program notes or go to your Bible app and open that up as well, Matthew 18, 21. In just a few minutes, we're going to be jumping into that. I, I, here's, here's my encouragement for you today to start off with. I want you to stay away from people who are negative and critical. Will you do that? Just, just do that. Just make it a point. And some of you are saying, that's easy. I choose to do that now. Have no problem with it. See, because nobody wants to be around a grouch. Nobody wants that. We've all, we all have our moments from time to time, true, and I'm one to say, and I'll say it quite honestly, every one of us deserves it, gets to have a bad day every once in a while. We all do. You, we, we, all, we all get to have a bad day every once in a while, and I think, I think that's right and that's okay, but when negativity and sarcasm and grouchiness and rudeness becomes our default, the truth is we're not able to thrive, and then we carry that sourness with us, and other people pick up on it, whether we realize it or not, and then we wonder, well, why isn't anybody my friends? Why can't I have more friends? Well, that might be a reason why. You know, it's funny, uh, but I've noticed this here at City Life Center that the negative or critical people never seem to enjoy being around the atmosphere here at this church. In fact, someone posted something yesterday on Facebook. It was quite funny saying, saying about how you can get judged and criticized at church more than anywhere else. And it was someone from our church. And I said, I said, oh, well, I know of a church where you're not going to see that. And the person responded back and said, yes, 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 you're exactly right. That is my church. And I know that's not the case at my church. Like, good, good, just making that clear. But, but really, we, we're not... We're not perfect, but one of the things we choose to do here in this culture is to not pick on each other's imperfections because the truth is it's not godly to do so. I've been a pastor all my life. I've been a pastor's home all my life, so ministry is what I'm very accustomed to. And many of you know, before I came to Fort Worth, before we started the City Life gig here, I was pastoring up in, up in northern Missouri, and, and I was pastoring a large church. It was a big church. We had two campuses and a lot of stuff going on. It was great. We just, just loved it. But I was at Walmart in the city where I pastored, and I was walking through Walmart, the happy shopping place, and, and I came around this corner, and as I came around the corner, there was this lady who was at the little sampling station. You know how Walmart has the little sampling stations, and you get to try cool things, and she had... I, I could see it from a ways off. I saw her, and then I, I saw the samples, and she had Rocky Road ice cream. Like, oh, how good is that? You can take a sample of that. There's nothing sinful or wrong with that. Come on, let's do it. So I start walking over toward her, and then the truth is I hadn't seen her in church in about a month, and so I was just going to be excited to see her and say, hey, how are you doing? I hope everything's okay. And, and, and about that time, I was probably maybe six feet away. Another person walked up that from an angle I couldn't see and kind of stood between me and her. And interestingly enough, it was another person from our church. And, and the, this man was standing there. And so I just kind of stopped. I waited. I'm not going to go butt in. And, 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 it, 
it was, I don't know how it worked, but I was probably about four feet away behind the guy and stood there. And immediately she moved into a conversation. She couldn't see me. He couldn't see me. But this conversation just immediately took off and I could hear them. I could hear them clearly. And, and I heard her say these words and she said, I told Pastor Tim that he was wrong to build that new youth building for, and, and was wrong to put all those games in the lobby of that youth building because teenagers are never grateful in this world and they don't need any of that stuff. She just she says, I told him all of this stuff that he needed to honor those of us who were older and build us a building. And, and, and so he told me that because of my statements, I needed to get out of the church. Now, I am telling you, I'm standing there, and I heard it all. And now, at this point, the truth is, biblically, I have been sinned against because none of that happened. I mean, the building was built, yes, but none of that happened. She had never spoken with me, and I'd never told her to leave the church. It didn't happen. It was lying and gossip. So those are some pretty bad things, right? I thought those are bad things. So, so I was just standing there, and the, and the man that, that, that was that was you know, being gossiped too, was standing there as well, and I was four feet away, and, and there was this anxiety that came over me, and I, I first, my first thought was, I'm going to run and hide, but I thought, if I run and hide, she's going to see me. I can't move from where I am. I'm stuck here. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And, and all of a sudden, this boldness came over me, and I just, I just kind of stepped around the man and stood right between the both of them, both of them and I smiled, and I, I looked at the lady, and I said, I'd love a sample of the rocky road. Now, their eyes were open big and wide. And, and then I said, ma'am, do you, know, you do know that conversation that you just spoke about. That never happened. And you've actually dreamed it all up in your head. And I think I did kind of say it with that kind of animation. And, and, and I also want to tell you that gossip really isn't a good quality. And so, so you can tell people, though, that I did say that. So feel free to share this part of the story. And, and I'll tell you what, it, it wasn't, nobody's face turned red with embarrassment. I mean, they were white. I mean, the, the guy who she was talking to was African-American. Now, he turned white. It was, and they were just both looking at me. Nobody said a word. And, and, and so I said, go ahead and have a sample of Rocky Road. And she gave me the Rocky Road, and I took it, and I was like, oh, this is awesome. And I walked away. And, my, and, and it was so funny because in this case, I had been sinned against. And, and I said, God bless you. Thank you for the rocky road. And, and, and I went, I just moved on. And in this case, I just chose to let it go. Let the lady go. Let all the stuff go. Forgive her. It's time to move on with life. How am I going to let this control me? And I've just, I made up my mind right then and there. I'm not going to. Now, I still felt a lot of anxiety. I still didn't feel very good about the situation. But it is what it is. Well, she never did come back to church. And instead, she did. She found herself in a church of some like-minded people where she fit just great. And she found her place. And the truth is, I'm glad she found her place. And she, can, she was able to serve God with other people like her. So, and I forgave her, and I moved on in spite of being sinned against. And for years, the funny thing is, I would still see her at Walmart because she was like the, 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 the sample lady. So, so I knew I would go to Walmart. It's funny because my anxiety would kind of go up a little bit. My wife's would too, knowing, okay, here, we're going to see her again. There she is. And, my, and Rebecca would say, okay, don't go down that aisle. There she is again. And, and she'd say, just don't go. I said, oh, I'm going to go because every time I saw her, I don't care what her sample was. I just enjoyed her sample so much. I just went up there, oh, what do you have today? And I would take and do it. Now, I know that you might say, that's spiteful, Pastor. If, I, if, if that is my sin, I'll let it be my sin. But you know what? I let it go. I let it go. 
And that's what today's message is about. It's called letting go. Matthew 18, verse 21 Jesus had talked about how to deal with people that sinned against you. And then Peter, it says, came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus said, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. You see, in that culture, in the Jewish culture, the rabbis taught this principle. It's not in the Bible, but they taught a lot of principles that were that they had just chose to teach. And one of them was that when someone sins against you, you should forgive them three times. If you forgive them three times, then you are free to go on your way. And so Peter, I mean, of course, seven is a much more godly number than three, right? Right? So, so seven is a good number. So he, I don't know how he pulled it out, but he said seven, seven times. I mean, that's like double what was done before and adding one. And Jesus looked at Peter said, no, 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 more like 77, which, which basically means an infinite number of times. You just never quit with the forgiveness attitude. That's really what I'm talking about today. It's about letting go because forgiving really is letting go. Now, now there are two factors that I found that are involved here, which I want to bring to your attention because I love the scripture. I believe in what it says. And the first factor is what I call the when factor because because Peter said it well, and, and the truth is, is that it will happen. You will be sinned against. Peter said, when I'm sinned against, someone's going to say something. Someone is going to do something, and you're going to be the victim. And, and at this point, you get to choose. Am I going to just lie back and stew over this? Am I going to sit here and, and let anger just seethe out of me regarding what's happened to me? Am I going to become bitter and resentful because I was sinned against? Am I going to be a victim or am I going to be a victor? I believe that's what God wants you to be because it's true. It will happen. Now, I could lie to you and say, if you just serve God with all of your heart, nobody's going to take shots at you and, and you're not going to be sinned against. But if I said that, I would be deceiving you. And I don't want to do that because we live in this imperfect world. It's filled with imperfect people and it's going to happen. You will be sinned against. There's a second little factor here. It's, it's this, it's, it's, and I call it the brother factor. And the brother factor is this, is that people who are close to you, even followers of Christ, will sin against you. That's a reality. Some of you have dealt with that, and you're dealing with that, and you're trying to figure out how all that works, because that's when, G, when Peter said, how many times do I forgive my brother? So your brother represents a person who's close to you, someone who's involved in your life, someone that you have a lot of things in common with. And, and it's a reality that other people who are close to us are going to sin against us. And really, in life, this, this tends to be some of the greatest pain that comes along our way. It hurts when someone close to us sins against us. So what do you do? Well, if you're hurting, what you have to do is let go. Let go, which is the title of today's message, Letting Go. And my prayer is that as I share with you these ways of letting go, that it's going to speak directly to some of you regarding what some of you are going through or may even experience this week. Because you don't have to stay in your pain and you don't have to stay in your hurt. You can either choose to dwell upon how you were wronged and focus upon how you were sinned against. And, but then if you do that, you're going to turn into a grouchy, sour-faced grump who gives out samples at Walmart. You don't want that for your future. I know that. 
Or you can make some choices, and the choices are these. It's just, will I be willing to let go? So, when you're hurt, when you've been sinned against, let go. First of all, let go of the right to be resentful. Let go of that offense. You, you can be resentful. You could be resentful, but where does that lead? Because when you're resentful, it eats away at you more than anyone else. And you might think you're punishing them because you're resentful for what happened to you, but you're not. You're only punishing yourself. In fact, you're making yourself sick spiritually, emotionally, and physically. Acts 24 says this, I myself strive to have a conscience without offense between God, toward God, and man, I'm not going to get offended at God, and I'm not going to get offended at, at people. I'm going to make that my rule, and I encourage you to make this your rule. If you get anything out of this scripture today, out of this message today, take this passage and memorize it. Have a conscience that does not have offense toward God and does not have offense toward other people, because God didn't design us to contain resentment. You might say, well, I have a right to be resentful. I mean, you don't understand what was done to me. And, and I'll just say, yes, you do have a right to be resentful, but you also have a right to, to go this afternoon and get in your car and seal up the windows so that you don't have to breathe any of the toxic dust from Africa that's in the air this week. And, and, and you can sit in there and bake yourself and broil yourself inside your car in the middle of Fort Worth, and you have the right to do that. It's a choice. But it's not a very smart choice, you see? So that's why we should let go, make the choice to let go of our right, our right to be resentful. Because you have too much ahead for you. I mean, God has opportunities in front of you for you to soar and for you to move forward. Things that you don't even know about that are on the landscape that God has for you. He has a hope and a future designed for you. So don't forego your future clinging to the right to be resentful. Let go of that resentment. Also, when you've been sinned against, let go of hatred. Now, this is deeper than resentment because resentment is toward the action and hatred is toward the person. That's, that's when you can't see any good in the person uh, at all. And I, I think we all fall into this. I've fallen into this before because, because when you just start to loathe everything about a person, you're going, wait a minute, that's not, that, I have moved way beyond this. I am now in an atmosphere of hatred. And, and it's funny how it works because you, you can't stand the clothes they wear. You don't like the car they drive. You don't like the sound of their voice. You see their handwriting, and it goes, ah, it's just, so you know, if you're feeling that way, that's called hatred, and it's a really stupid way to live. It's, it's, it's funny how that actually works in us, and we get deceived in it, and we, we begin to turn this person in our minds into a total reject that God wouldn't even want to have anything to do with, and we, 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 we put it all together in our brain, and it works out great. Every time we see them, we're like, oh, look at what they're wearing now. Look at their hair. Oh, my word, look at her purse. What is wrong with her? And, and that's hatred right there. Now, the guys wouldn't notice the purse, but, but that's, that's just the way it works. It'll destroy you. Jesus said this in Matthew 5. He said, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies, love them, and pray for those who persecute you, those people who are putting you down, those people who are attacking you. Pray for them. Now, here's the interesting part. Jesus says, so that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. See, Jesus took this 
this little saying that was popular in those days, which was love your neighbor, hate your enemy. And it was taught, it was actually taught by the, by the rabbis of that day. Why? Because it worked great with the culture of the Romans, over, oh, oh, which were oppressing the Jewish people. So they taught that. You know, we're going to hate our enemies, but we're supposed to love our neighbors. So in other words, hate the Romans, love the Jews. That's, that's basically what they were teaching. And in some ways, we tend to do that ourselves. It sounds good, but it's not good because any form of hatred toward other people can destroy you. Now, Jesus knows that, that he truly wants us to be sons of God, which is what the scripture said. And what does a son do? A son acts like his father. A son is a part of that family culture. And, and it is directly contrary to the culture of God's family to hate people. So, we need to get our thoughts disciplined and, and bring them under control because that's going to free us up from a burden of hatred that we're carrying. In fact, even science recently has begun to say that this type of negative thinking will actually damage the way your brain operates. And it's no wonder some people get stuck in this rut of grumpiness and can't pull themselves out of it. In fact, the way to get, to, to get out of hatred is to focus on God's ways first and to do God's ways, look for his paths, tear down those thoughts, those high things that just keep holding us back and keeping us beat down. That song was perfect for us today because it helps us to understand there are things we need to remove out of our minds that's keeping us from our destiny. In fact, the science even now says that our brains are wired for love. So, Toxic thoughts such as hatred, what it does is, is that since it's not our norm, it messes up even the chemistry of our brains. So when we make the choice to hate, and again, hatred is a choice. When we choose to hate, it is against the natural wiring of our brains, and it becomes distorted, which, which causes a disruption in the total normal function of your brains. So this is what, what, what scientists call an undisciplined mind. Now, this is science talking. This is not even the Bible. The Bible has said all this for years. Science is finally catching up. But it says an undisciplined mind, what it will do is it will escalate then with worries and fears and will cause all types of distorted perceptions where we imagine things that never happened, kind of like the lady who's handing out Rocky Road. It never happened. You see? Science says this even begins to trigger this degenerative process in our brains, in our minds, and in our bodies. That's hatred. Why do we want to do that? Well, we don't. We shouldn't. Because we're wired for love, not hatred. So, so let go of your right to be resentful. Let go of hatred. And also let go of all unforgiveness. Let it go. You know, you might say, well, I'll let go if she asks to be forgiven. I'll do that. I demand an apology. You ever say that? See, I used to be that way. I, I was that way all the time. I w I'll forgive if they want me to forgive. If I get an apology, no problem. I'm going to be really, really godly. But until then, I'm going to act like the devil. And I, I would do that. I don't know why I would do that. But, but it was, I wouldn't let go until I felt like the person asked for forgiveness or apologized. And, and then at one point in my life, I began to realize this. There are a whole lot of people stacking up on this side of my life that um, they're never going to come to me. In fact, many of them, I don't even know where they are. <clears throat> I don't even, they're, they're not even in my life anymore, and I still think about them. Wow, messed up is that? And so I begin to understand that, that I need to let go of those people. Let them go. It's not a good plan to wait 
until the person comes to you and apologizes, humbles themselves before you, bows down, and brings you a meal at your house because it's not going to happen. Just let it go. It's funny. I, I've, I've thought of this before, even as a pastor. I've, I've imagined situations where I've been wronged and I want to be wonderful if that person just gets up on the platform and, and in front of hundreds of people declares, I was wrong. I sinned against my pastor. I have failed. I would imagine that in my mind. I would be kind of excited about it. Like, yes, yes, that, that's going to happen. It never happened. It never happened. So those things don't happen. In fact, we are bound to release forgiveness abundantly, even if it's not requested. Mark chapter 11 speaks to this. This is powerful. This is, this is a very powerful passage. It says, now, before we do this, I'm a firm believer in the power of prayer. You guys know that. I believe in the Bible 100%. That's why I like to talk about it. And, and a lot of times, us preachers, when we preach about prayer and about prayers being answered, we like to take this scripture, thank you, Devin, we like to take this scripture right here in Mark 11, and we like to preach about it. It says this, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Have you guys ever heard that passage before? You know that? Yeah, that's a good, I mean, that's a preaching passage. I can go for, I can do a whole series on that one little passage of scripture. The only thing is, <laughs> I believe in all the Bible, so I can't just pull a scripture out and just apply it to something. I, I've been trained in this. Is You always have to look at the context because the truth is found in the context. And so when I look at the context, Jesus is talking about something extra here too because most of us you know, are going to leave off verse 25, which is right next door. Take a look at it. It says, and when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. Now, that is the part that is connected with the previous verse. See, it says nothing in there, first of all, about waiting for someone to come to you and apologize. It doesn't say, it, it, it says actually everything about letting go of unforgiveness. Jesus is saying here, forgive limitlessly. See, because God desires passionately to answer your prayers and to forgive your sins. We talk about that all the time, right? I love talking about that. That's what God wants. He wants to answer your prayers. He wants to forgive your sins. But the Bible also says that there are things that we can do which will keep that from happening. I don't like what it says. But it's truth is that our sins may not be forgiven because we are not forgiving other people. And our prayers are not being answered because we are not forgiving other people. So I wonder how many people that they're, they're angry at God or they're, they're indifferent toward the scriptures or they're upset because prayers aren't being answered and they're burdened down with sin issues simply because they have refused to forgive someone who hurt them. 
you're still holding out. You're waiting for that public confession. They're going to put it on the internet. They're going to have it on Facebook and Twitter. They're even going to put it on LinkedIn, and they're going to put it on their blog. But it's not going to happen. There is no way for us to live. See, God has a plan for you. He has a plan for me. And that plan is for us to walk in freedom, for us to walk in joy and in peace and in health and in blessing. So don't quench God's plans for you by refusing to forgive someone else. Let it go. Put that smile back on your face. Stand up tall and move on with your life of peace and joy. You need to get past that. Don't let that person control you. And what they did control you one more day of your life, even if you're sitting right next to them, all right? So let go of your right to be resentful. No elbow nudging, please. Let go of your hatred. Let go of unforgiveness. And let go of unmended emotional ties. This is a big one because where there are emotional ties, we can be wrapped up in some form of a relationship with a person. And this thing holds a lot of people back that, that, uh, that just can't allow them to move forward because they keep going back. Sin somehow got in the way. Somehow there was this horrible thing that happened and it broke and shattered the relationship. And, and the relationship may not be mendable. And if that relationship is not mendable, please understand, you are not Dr. Jesus. You are not the Holy Spirit. You can't fix it. Some of you need to remember that. That's your life for the day. You can't fix it. You're not God. Now, you might wish you were God. You might think that, well, if I just keep helping, if I keep going back to them to try to make it all better, it's going to get better. No, you release that forgiveness a million times over and you let it go and let go of the emotional ties as well. Let go of those unmended emotional ties that aren't going to be healed. See, Philippians 3.13, Paul says it this way. He says, he says, you know what? There's just this one thing that I do. Now, this, this guy, he, he was a rough dude. He was a tough guy. He was out there making a difference, changing the world, the greatest missionary of all time, in my opinion. And he's out spreading this. And, and he says, there's this one thing I do. I, I, do I, I really do one thing. And this is what makes me successful. He gives his secret for success in this line. He says, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Let me tell you, God has a bright future for you. God wants you to move forward. And, and I'm just saying, don't thwart that by hanging on to the past. When we uh, anchor our emotions on a person or an event that happens in the past and we stay anchored to that, it will suck us under. It will destroy us. The Beatles uh, kind of had it right in this old song, you know, speaking words of wisdom, you know, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. No, we're not going to sing it, all right? Because then that goes on to talk about how Mother Mary's standing in front of you telling you that. Now, I don't know if Mother Mary's going to come stand in front of you and tell you that. I think that would be just a little different. But, but, uh, but, but the truth remains, let it be. Let go of the things you cannot change. But it doesn't mean that you don't love the person. It doesn't mean you don't care about the person. But your emotional ties, you go ahead and break them. It doesn't mean that you have to, uh, that, that, that you are going to, to forsake them and, or anything like that. It just means that you're releasing your emotional dependency on that relationship. Now, guys, remember this. You're not God. Don't 
keep trying to fix people. And I, I believe that God is all too often ready for us to stop doing his work so that he can get in and actually deal with the person. But we're standing in the way trying to go and fix the person, trying to go and fix it. When we, we're just supposed to forgive, let go, move forward in our lives many times. Sometimes there's, there's a restitution. We talked about that last week. But, but many times it's this thing of it's time just to let go, let it go. I'm going to break the emotional ties. I'm not going to be connected to that anymore. It's not going to be my anchor to pull me down because God fixes people better than you or I could ever fix them. Move forward with life and don't allow your emotional tie to that person uh, to, to remain any longer who tried to pull you down and to control you. So four things we need to let go of. First, let go of our right to be resentful. Let go of hatred. Let go of unforgiveness and let go of unmended emotional ties. And the fifth one is a never let go. Never, ever let go of your right standing before God. This is important. Right standing before God is a term we use in the church called righteousness. Sometimes we misunderstand righteousness. We think of righteousness as some type of perfection. Well, I am righteous, or that person thinks they're so righteous. Well, righteousness is not perfection. It doesn't mean that you, that you stand with a certain pose, or you, you wear a cool robe, or you, you, know, you're, you, you, you have it all together, and you look good. Like, ooh, aren't they righteous? Well, no, no, that's not righteousness, because righteousness is this. It is right standing before God. And don't let go of that. That's important. But it's important that we understand what it means. It means that you're not controlled by your past failures anymore. You're no longer manipulated by your past sins anymore, your past misdeeds and your regrets, because the blood of Jesus has come over you, and it makes you, the blood of Jesus makes you righteous. You don't become righteous because of what you do. You can't ever do that. The Bible says your righteousness, if you try to do that on your own, it's still like filthy rags. You know, you, you go out and work on a car, and I, I have a brother who has an auto mechanic shop, and he runs that place, and then there are these filthy, dirty rags all, all over the place in that place. And you don't want to mess with those if you're, if you're looking good, but the Bible says our righteousness is like filthy rags. At our very, very best, it's not going to work. That's why we need the blood of Jesus. That's why we need his life and his power working in us and working through us. So how do we do this? We just simply stay under the blood of Christ. See, the beauty of this is that when we ask Christ to forgive us and we let go of our own sins that we're even holding on to, God washes us in his blood, the blood of Jesus. And and, and we are actually crystal clear, beautifully clean, as if we have never sinned. That's the way God makes us. That's the mystery of what we call amazing grace. That's the mystery of it. And, and God doesn't see any unrighteousness. So he looks at us and he sees us as forgiven. In fact, there's this terminology that's in the Bible, and I like to use it as well, which says we are to live in Christ in Christ, which means you're inside of Jesus. So whenever God looks at you, he's not looking at, at the filthy rags. He's not seeing unrighteousness because at your best, you know you still can't make it. He is seeing Jesus. He sees his own son. The blood of Jesus has washed you clean. Job 27 says, I will maintain my righteousness and never let go of it. Never let go of your righteousness. How do you never let go of it? By simply letting go of the other stuff. 
that hinders your prayers, that stops you from being forgiven, your right to be resentful, your hatred, unforgiveness, or unmitted emotional ties stay washed in the blood of Jesus because I'm here to say to some of you guys today, today is a brand new day. I hope some of you are going to walk out of this room completely different than when you came in. You're going to leave some of this clutter behind. You're going to leave with your head held high and your past behind you and move forward into the future God has for you. That's what he desires for you. That's what he wants for you. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your truth and your revelation, which takes the truth from the Bible and makes it practical to our lives. I ask God that you will take this and sow it deep into our hearts. Some of you, there's lack of forgiveness in you, holding on to things that that are killing you, it's pulling you down. You know it is. I'm going to ask you now just to pray this prayer with me, clearing things up between you and God. Just pray this. to you still pulls you down. Forgive them today before you leave. I forgive you. Forgive. Forgive. One final prayer. Now, Lord Jesus, I ask that as we release our forgiveness, that you will pour out your forgiveness upon us. That you will wash us in your blood and make us pure choose to never let go of that righteousness, our right standing before you. We choose this morning to release and receive. And I thank you, God, that now we can walk in that righteousness. Now we can walk in that healing. And now we can expect our prayers to be answered. In Jesus' name, I pray.